0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. What are we doing with time? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So hold your Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Welcome all of you watching online. Uh, We are so thrilled that you've joined us. Our prayer now is that you will begin to step forward and join us uh, in the house of worship. We realize that there are a lot of theories and ideas and all kinds of things out there about this virus. I will continue to fight it with everything in me, uh, and I want to encourage you with everything in me that everything's going to be all right. And so uh, it just is what it is. I know that there are a lot of opinions and and a lot of people having thoughts, and I just want to let you know we're praying for you, and uh, we're believing God for your health, Uh, And that's what we're going to stand for, all right? So if you would, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're doing this series on time. And I want to preface today's message with this, and I'll recap last week, is that you've heard the old saying that time heals. Well, I don't believe that to be true. I believe the proper use of time can bring healing. In other words, there are people who are today still offended and unforgiving toward somebody in their past. And time has not healed it. And let me tell you why time hasn't healed it. Because time is not the healer. God's the healer. And he gave us instructions in the Bible on how to receive that healing. In other words, if you have unforgiveness towards someone, he said, unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. And so you've been miserable for 20 years because of one individual in your life that when I mention their name, Betty, Bob, Sue, Larry, I start pushing a bruise because... Over time, it didn't get better, it got worse. And the more that we ponder things, people that have hurt us, things that have happened to us, when we do that, we will remain sick in our soul. And so I want us to use time in a redemptive way. What do you do with your time? Now, I fight this, don't think that I've, I've got this down. As a matter of fact, every time I preach, I'm preaching to me, I hope you all get something. Because the reality is, all of us have had bad things happen in the past. We've made mistakes in the past. And if we dwell on those, we will live where those happened. If they happened in the 80s, you'll be living in the 80s. And trust me, you do not want 80s hair, women. So you don't want to live in the 80s or the 90s. You want to be current in your life. And and so the proper use of time can change everything. If you sit around or you get up every morning and you worry about the same thing today that you did yesterday, last week, and last year, that is not a good use of your time. If your goal is to get someone back or to pay someone back, that's not a good use of your time. We need to make sure, just like our money, that we use time wisely. Ephesians 5.16 says, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time despite all the evils of these days. Don't be vague, but grasp firmly what you know to be the will of the Lord. Many people say, well, how do you find out the will of God? Right here. I would above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the will of God. I would above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Soul prosperity is the platform for every other kind of prosperity. Financial prosperity, the prosperity of peace and joy. All of those things are founded in soul prosperity. And so our soul has to be fed just like our body has to be fed. How do we do that? By the proper use of time. What are you feeding your soul? I'm not trying to create any doctrine today uh, of right or wrong. I'm simply trying to ask the question, what feeds your soul? Some people's soul is fed by things that I would throw up. Doesn't make them wrong and me right. It just means that their soul has a different taste than my soul now there are certainly things that that in the scripture that tell us how to have a proper spiritual or soul diet uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself that's a really great one if you don't love your neighbor then you probably don't love yourself that's where it all begins right inside our soul and so I want to encourage us to begin thinking about our use of time some people would say what you're doing uh, with your time may be a waste of time. Well, it might be a waste of time for them, but it's not a waste of time for you. To me, sitting down, and, and I have friends who, are, who fish, and I think that's great, and that, that feeds their soul. Quite frankly, fishing to me is about as much fun as sitting in a town watching cars rust. That is, unless you can put one on the hook, I can fight it and bring it in, and we're done. It's just me. Now, there's nothing wrong with people who like to fish. I have, like I said, I have quite a few friends that like to fish, and I think it's great. And matter of fact, I hope they fillet them and bring me a slab. But that's not, that doesn't do anything for me. Now, being out on water and and all that kind of thing, looking at mountains, those are all great things. And some people say, well, that's a waste of time. Maybe a waste of time for you, but it's not a waste of time for me. Do you see what I'm saying? So what happens in religion and in religious circles is religion means we want everybody to be alike, think alike, do everything alike, and have the exact same passions and desires. And that would make for a very boring world, which is why a lot of denominations are dying. is because they created this scenario that said we're all going to believe this, and we're all going to do this, and we're going to do it this way. And what I realized uh, early on in my ministry life was that I was going to have a long road if I didn't learn how to preach good news and love people. If I started telling y'all how to live every day, uh, what to do, what not to do, you would be as miserable as any other religious sect in our country or the world. The reality is, if we can preach Jesus and people draw near to Jesus, each person individually will find their way uh, to their destiny. Now, you notice I said Jesus. I didn't say there are many ways to heaven. Don't hear me say that. I'm saying Jesus said I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. However, Jesus gave us all very different personalities. So this morning as I was praying, getting ready to preach, I said, God, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to use the personality you gave me to communicate the message you've put in me. And now that comes off different if, if you take another pastor who is a different personality type to me. That message could be preached exactly the way I preached it. But through a different personality, it would probably land on you a little different. I will say things that a conservative personality would not say. And that will irritate some people. And some people would question whether or not I'm even saved. But see, you're not God. God. And I'm not God. So when when this is all said and done, I'm not standing before you. And you're not standing before me. We're going to stand before God. And you know what I love about that, Jesse? God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He loves all of us. He cares about everyone. He's not waiting to smack you upside the head or knock you into next week. And yet we use our time, oftentimes, measuring other people. Now, when you measure other people and you begin talking about other people's lives, it's oftentimes an indication that you don't want to talk about your own. I've got enough issues in my own life. I don't need yours. I don't want yours. I can't fix yours. I can only fix mine. You can't fix mine. But between me and God, we might have some success. So if I spend my time, too much time. Now there are times you're trying to figure out how you might encourage someone or help someone. And you're spending time thinking in that direction, not correcting them, but encouraging them. That might be a good use of time. But if all you're doing is talking about them and you can't fix their problem, but you are trying to figure out how to have a relationship with them, they're all different ways to use time to either remove yourself and not spend this horizontal sideways energy and instead spending it vertically and saying god i need your mind on everything i do i need the mind of christ and so ask yourself the question as i preach this message how do i use my time i mean i i I could probably ask many of you here and online How are you spending your money? And you would go, well, my mortgage is this, my car payment is this, the utility bills are this, my entertainment budget's this, and you go down the list. And that's good. Now, many people would say, I get a paycheck, I close my eyes, cross my fingers, and tell the next one. And you have no clue. Now, I'm not suggesting you're a bad person or that's wrong, but that scares the bejesus out of me. The thought of not knowing how I'm, stewarding what I've been given. See, you've been given money and you've been given time. Now, with that came grace, mercy, love, and all those things, but you've been given time. And nobody is going to get a refund on time today. You're not getting any. Once this day is over and done at midnight, you don't get a refund. However you spent your time on this day, the 19th of July, 2020, I just dated this sermon, And when you listen to it 10 years from now, they'll go, I think he's gotten better. (laughs) But I shared this last week, and I'm going to recap, and then I'll get into the next few points on how to utilize time. And by the way, you say, well, how much time do we have in a day? Most of you would say 24 hours. I'd say, well, that's true, but you really don't have 24 hours because your body requires that you rest. It requires sleep. That is not up to you. You may be able to stay up a few days. If you're a teenager on Red Bull, a Mountain Dew, and who knows what else, maybe you can stay up a few days. But the reality is your body will give out or give way eventually. So the reality is that let's just allocate seven to eight hours a day to sleep. That's not your time. So now we're down to, say, 16 hours. Now, unless you were born a trust fund baby, you're probably going to have to get up and go to work. So let's just say it's another eight hours. Yeah. So now you're left with eight hours of discretionary time that you get to choose what you do with. And as I said last week, if you're 35 years old, with that said, the work and the chores and the entertainment and all the other things, the sleep and everything, put that aside. If you're 35 years old, you have 500 days left to live. It's all you have. You have 500 days to pick how you're going to live life. If you say, I've got eight hours a day to choose, and you're 35, you have 500 days left. Now, I know that scares some of you, and you'll go home and do the math, and hopefully you do. And if there's an accountant that would love to do the math for me, I'd like to know how many days I have left. I've been trying to calculate that in my head, going, okay, how many days do I have now? Because I'm a little older than 35. I'm just prematurely gray. Um, very premature So let's start with last week in, in Psalm 90 verse 12 So teach us to number our days That we may apply our hearts To wisdom You know Burkett, Ramsey A lot of these guys who talk about money and finances It's brilliant, I love them I think they've helped a lot of people But When you use the words time management, it freaks people out. Just like somebody who doesn't make enough money, when you talk about creating a budget, it makes them angry because in their minds, they know they don't have enough to budget. But if you can budget what you have, you will have more than you have. I know you don't trust me when I say that. But if you steward the gift of time, you steward the gift of money and you steward them well, and you invest them well, there will be a return. Just like the, the Bible says, if you'll bring the tenth of the tithe into the storehouse, he said, I'll open the windows of heaven, I'll pour out such a blessing, you won't have room enough to contain it. He said, if you'll just give me 10%, I'll create overflow with the 90. You say, well, that, that, I, 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 can't, I can't make that work logically. That's what I love about God. See, there are so many things he says I can't make sense of, But if I trust him, he always makes it work. So time is no different. I believe in investing time in other people, using my time wisely, planning how to use that time. Susan and I talk all the time about where we're going to invest time and with whom that time is going to be invested. And where is it best used and where is the greatest return and how can we help other people. And how can we encourage other people and how can we be around people who can encourage us. Because some of y'all are around a bunch of people who, quite frankly, just want to take you down with them. And you know what? It's not their fault. It's our fault. Anything that happens in my life, I can try to blame someone else. But at the end of the day, I can only look in the mirror and say, God, I did the best I could or I didn't do enough. But it's not your fault. That brings about an incredible liberty and freedom knowing that someone else is not in charge of your destiny. So last week I talked first about using time intentionally. Not just randomly. But designing your life. Not living it by default. Many people get up every day and they go, I, I got to go to work Monday through Friday. That's all they think about It's just work. The big picture work. I've got to go to sleep. I've got to sleep eight hours. That's the big picture. So... First off, let's talk about sleep. When you're thinking about sleep, the Bible says he gives sweet sleep to those he loves. Well, he loves everybody. So everybody ought to uh, sleep sweetly. Try to say that 20 times (laughs) fast. So do you ask God, help me to sleep? Help me to rest? Help me to, during the night, feel rested? I got this new watch that I have pushed away for a long time that tells me how I slept. I don't know how it does it, but it tells me how many interruptions I have. And since I'm over 60 and I'm a man, there are some interruptions at night. I am just telling you, I want to create something that that helped me not to have to get out of bed. You know what I'm saying? That would be great, wouldn't it? Just like, oh, okay. Anyway, just had a moment. And then... While you're at work, you say, but I got responsibilities and things I have to do. But what if you said, I'm going to think about work differently? I know I get paid for these jobs, but you get paid by God for the attitude in doing that job. So now, in that time, eight-hour time, I have to think, how's my attitude? How am I speaking about the boss? What am I saying about the company? All of a sudden, my time is no longer just there because I have to be there. I'm there thinking I'm going to make a difference in somebody's life. When I worked for UPS, I was in college, and you know, we, we were, I had to put my, myself through college. And, and so I, I'd get up at 3.30 in the morning. I'd be in the back of a semi-trailer at, at uh, 4 a.m. And from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., I was one of the reasons that what you got at your front porch was broken. I'm just telling, when you're unloading trucks at 4 a.m., you don't care if it says fragile or not fragile. That sucker is getting thrown. We got a job to do. We got to get it out there. So I'm hating this job. It's cold in the winter. It's hot in the summer. And I'm thinking, God, why am I here? And all of a sudden, on break, there was one guy that had been hired on after me, and he was a piece of work. Even the devil didn't want to hang out with him. And so I'm praying, God, do something. Get me promoted. Get me out of these trailers. And in my heart of hearts, I heard God say, invite him to church. I said, God, I don't want to work with him much. Let's worship with him. As far as I'm concerned, he can go to hell. (laughs) That was kind of my attitude. Because I'm thinking he makes my life that every day. So over about the course of a week, five days throwing boxes, I thought, I got to get out of here. So I thought, there's no way, in my mind, I'm thinking about it. There's no way this guy's going to want to go to church. So I'll just ask him and it'll be done and I'll get promoted. I asked him, he said, I'd love to go. And I went, oh God. (laughs) I thought I was just going to get a pass. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't have to deal with him on Sunday. I got him Monday through Friday. Now I got him on Sunday. Sure enough, right after I invite him, he goes to church. I get promoted. I wasn't at UPS just to break what you ordered. (laughs) I was at UPS to tell this one guy that nobody wanted to talk to about Jesus in a way that he would understand it. And as I recall, he got saved. And I got moved, and I didn't have to mentor him, Jesse. I was thinking, somebody else is going to spend time making that knucklehead become who God wants him to become. So the very first thing we have to understand is that we have to use time intentionally. Secondly, in doing that, you won't waste time. Now, wasting time is time that has no hope of bearing fruit. When I first got born again, I was so excited to be saved. Some of you have been there. Some of you just kind of, you got saved in the womb, and you've been babbling ever since. Not me. I got radically saved, and I, I was the guy that said, man, I got to tell somebody. I felt like my job in life was... To, to reach out to people, and I would find myself on the streets of New York City, uh, Mardi Gras, in New Orleans, and anywhere I could be. I was there. I was behind the prison walls in West Palm Beach, Florida, with murderers telling them about Jesus. And, and so I thought, well, I living in Tulsa at the time. I thought, well, man, you know, this is my hometown. This is my Jerusalem. I need to do here what I'm doing there and spend some time with my people. And so I'd go downtown Tulsa at night, and, and, you know, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, it's a whole different crowd. I don't know how many, I don't suggest you go out at 2 or 3 in the morning anymore. Probably shouldn't have then. But, you know, there were people out, and I found out different ways they make a living. Back in the day when there were parking meters, they break into parking meters. So I walked up on this individual that was breaking into a parking meter, freaked him out, freaked me out, freaked us out, freaked God out. And I began to talk to them about the Lord. And they weren't really that interested, but I was so set on getting them to know Jesus that I finally looked at this person and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you five bucks if you'll pray with me. I prayed with them, gave them five bucks, and they went on their way. They didn't get saved. They got money. It was a waste of time. I was trying to fix someone that was broken that did not want to be fixed. And some of y'all have been working on somebody for a long time. And I'm not suggesting that you ever quit praying for them, or if you have to be around them, that you're, you're not continually thinking how you might impart some hope to them. But I'm saying if your sole goal is to fix them, that's a waste of time. Remember what Jesus said? He told his disciples and they went into a town, if the people didn't listen to them, shake the dust off their feet and leave, Jesus said, don't waste your time. Some of you feel so compelled to fix people that you're wasting your time on their time. Apostle Paul told Timothy, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid. I love the fact that the Bible uses the word stupid. One lady, one time I was preaching and... uh, she, I was at the front door greeting everybody as they leave. How many of you know when you have thousands of people, every one of them think they can preach your sermon better than you? So I'd stand at the door at least to hear five or ten of them that knew they could preach it better than me every Sunday morning. And she said, we don't use stupid in our house. I said, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> I said, because we use it in God's house. I realized that was a waste of time (laughs) because I think she probably still ain't using stupid, stupid in the Bible. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Well, what this word argument's referring to is ignorance, uneducated. In other words, you don't really have enough information to spend the time to have the discussion you're having, and it will lead to a quarrel because you're uneducated in the argument that you're having most arguments are the result of somebody having an opinion not an education so ask yourself next time you start arguing do I really know what I'm talking about or do I just have a strong opinion about it because as I've stated in the past my mother I grew up with with two brothers an older and younger brother I'm the middle child which means I'm guaranteed going to heaven Middle children always go to heaven, we get a pass. Because we had two knucklehead siblings somewhere on the both sides of us. And my, my mother would say that, cleanliness is next to godliness. As much as I love my mother and she's in heaven today, that's not in the Bible. And there are people that we, in order to get their own way, will argue with you about their opinion, not their knowledge. So if, if you're getting in an argument and you've you got a Nazarene and you got a Baptist, trust me, there's disagreement there. What I decided to do once I finally wrapped my mind around the idea that I didn't know everything was, I have one question for anybody. If somebody says, I'm Catholic, and this is really a big deal to a lot of Protestants, they don't even think Catholics have a clue, uh, and they don't think any Catholic's going to heaven. Quite frankly, my opinion is, you're not going to heaven because you're charismatic, Nazarene, Baptist, Catholic. You're going to heaven because you're saved. And I know some saved Catholics. Trust me. They go to heaven, and they're going to surprise you religious people. About 15 of you are happy they're going to heaven. The rest of you go to hell. Anyway, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> I told you God used my personality. You can blame God for that comment. But the reality is that we have opinions based on what we heard that have been passed down from generation to generation that have no biblical substantiation to them, but somebody's opinion that they were told by great-great-grandmama that passed down to great-grandmama to grandmama to mama to us without any research, and now we quarrel over things. So when I talk to people, I say, where do you go to church? I go to St. Mary's Catholic. I say, let me ask you a question. Tell me a little bit about Jesus. If they start telling me about Jesus, I don't care what's on the side. Do you hear me? We're fighting over, the devil loves it when we fight over all of our theological and worship positions instead of the one we worship. And there's only one reason you and I are going to heaven. It's not because we like loud music or soft music or hymns or non-hymns because we dress a certain way or don't dress a certain way. When I look up on this stage, I love our band so much, I, I get lost in their youthfulness. I love it. The funkier they look, the more I like it. Yeah, i tell you why. Because here's why. Because where I grew up, not one of those guys could have played on the worship team where I grew up. Cut your hair, get rid of the man bun, don't wear a hat, can't wear jeans, got tennis shoes, got... We qualify for all of those. I love it because what it says to the world is it's not how you look on the outside. It's about the faith you have on the inside. So I like it, and and I'm an old guy, kind of. But my spirit is Peter Pan. I ain't ever getting old. I'll be preaching like this when I'm 90 if I'm on a walker. It ain't ever going away. I like life too much. I like living too much. I am truly free. Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed, not in theory. I'm free. And that really irritates people in bondage. People who are bound by, I can't do this, I can't wear that, I can't say this, I can't go there, I can't do this. People like that don't like me. I got free from all of those things. I couldn't even play pool. I couldn't play cards growing up because one of the queens was half naked. That's what I was told. I need to go back and get me a deck of cards and see where she is. That was what I was told. I didn't even look. I didn't know I was innocent. There was something to do with the queen. It's always the queen. (laughs) So I spent most of my time afraid of God, afraid of church. Not having fun. Knowing for sure that I was going to hell and I was on a fast track to get there. Because I thought, based on the time I'd spent with religious people, that people like me didn't go to heaven. I have too much of a zest for life. I love to laugh. I love jokes. I love tricking people in a holy way. I got some background music. (laughs) It's okay. Don't worry about it. Hey, honey, don't worry about it. You just help me out. (coughs) But what we have to realize (coughs) is that time is ours. We need to use it intentionally. We need to not waste it trying to fix other people, arguing with other people. And then I'll close with this. How do I make time work for me? Well, time works in blocks. If you were to say, I get off at 5, I'm going to go to bed at 11, that gives me X amount of hours in the evening. The reason I'm saying it this way, because some of you probably get up at 6, don't have to be to work till 8, what do you do from 6 to 7? Do you spend a little time talking to God or listening for God? I'm just saying these are proper allocations of time. I believe that bring the greatest strength to us is when we say, I'm not going to have my own opinion I'm gonna to try to get God's opinion and it'll filter through me but I want to make sure that I'm using my time wisely so what I call is trading time or borrowed time and uh historically I've always studied for a weekend message a matter of days ahead now some people uh do this differently it's not a right or wrong for me I've just always had a rhythm of how I prepare for Sunday messages now there are days somebody calls and say hey can you play golf on Friday well Friday was typically my study day So I'd say, yeah, which means then I'm going to move my Friday to a Thursday. I'm going to trade them out, and then I'm going to have to find time on Saturday to cover for the Thursday that I traded time for from Friday. Okay, let me break it down to you this way. You want a new boat, but you find that you're spending $500 a month eating out with Uber Eats and all these crazy people. You ever wonder, these people driving your food to your house? You wouldn't have wanted me driving your food to your house when I was 20. Trust me. I would either have eaten part of it or I would have sprinkled it. These people are going to have a great evening on me. It's just weird. I don't know. I thought it was just weird. Anyway, I was going somewhere with that thought. I feel like Joe Biden. Anyway, so. <laughs> It'd be great if I had Trump hair and Biden mind. I'd be jacked up all the way around, wouldn't I? <sighs> Can't turn political. Anyway. <laughs> if you're going to trade time Make sure you know where the time That you're trading is coming from And where it's going Because you only have so much of it Now some people retire And, and this is I, I don't have this is, I've heard this I, don't, I can't this morning substantiate it But I'm sure if you google it you'll be able to When people retire from a job After 30 years, 35 years, whatever it is and they have nothing allocated for the time that they're getting, that eight hours, many of them die early because they have no purpose. So if you're going to retire, let me encourage you to think about what those eight hours look like before you retire. Because a life without purpose is a purposeless life. In other words, what am I going to do with that eight hours? Lay around all day and, and, and watch Dr. Phil? Or Oprah, if she's still on. We don't even, Susan and I don't even buy cable. We don't have, we don't have dish, we don't have any of that. We, we decided the young generation was probably right when you just go to TV on demand. And so I don't know what's on and what's not on, but I've decided and determined that I don't think I could ever retire, so y'all stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the five of you that are really thrilled about that. Even Jesse didn't clap. I mean, I don't know. I mean, dear God, Jesse, come on, give me some love up in here. Thank God he's not retiring. Something like that. You can sleep if you have trade time to do other things that have to be done. I I tell people, I say, if you can figure out your schedule to get everything done, I don't care what you do. Some people feel guilty when they take a nap. Don't feel guilty when you take a nap. Just realize that if you spend an hour taking a nap, where that hour comes from and how you're going to have to fill it if you have other things to do during that time. If you don't, don't worry about it. You see what I'm saying? I think depression is the result of people who have not Chosen how to spend their time. Or they're spending their time in a way that is wasted. And we must always remember that is a dangerous place to be. I've got a note, oh here it is. You cannot kill time without doing injury to eternity. You cannot waste time or kill time without doing uh, damage to eternity. And so we need to realize how critical it is that we use our time wisely. So like Sunday mornings, let me ask you this, okay? You're here, and you're watching online. And I, I, for however many years I've been doing this, driving to churches on Sunday when I was traveling or pastoring or youth pastoring, whatever I was doing, it was always intriguing to me, and, and don't take this as condemnation, it's just always intriguing to me, that, that you see people up early. It's not that people don't get up early. and, and It's just that they have created other routines in their life that may be helping their body, you know, riding a bike, running, walking, whatever it might be. And and that's great, but let me get into this just for a moment. We are made spirit, soul, and body. Our soul is made up of our mind, will, and emotions. So when you come to church or you give time to God, you're asking God to help your soul. My mind, my will, not my will, God, but your will be done. Uh, Your emotions, how you feel about things, your spirit man being built up. The only thing, the only benefit of getting out on a morning like Sunday and running or biking is your body is getting some help. And maybe your soul is getting some recreation. I'm not saying it's totally void of that. But your spirit may not be getting anything. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, some people are out running this morning and they're listening to my sermon. They're probably benefiting tremendously. Y'all let me get by with that? I'm just saying if I hear the word, which I, when I exercise, I listen to preaching. Susan will tell you, that's my go-to. She'll come into the gym and she'll see, I'll have, I'll have a, a sermon on from somebody else, not me, because I hate hearing my own voice. Have you ever recorded yourself heard your voice and when I'm never talking again? That's the reason I don't listen to me. I think what I have to say is awesome, but I can't listen to me. So what I want to encourage us to do, you've heard me say this now for about four years, make time for God every day, make time for God's house every week. Now, I, I realize there are a lot of people that are afraid right now, they're vulnerable, they legitimately are vulnerable, or they've contracted the virus, or they've been around, I get all that. But then there are people who just flat out gotten lazy. Now I'm going, I'm going to go full pastor on you right here. You've just gotten lazy, and you've decided I don't need to go to church anymore. And you have, in doing so, in my opinion, decided wrong. Whether it's this church or some other church, one of what I love about Joel is that Joel will tell people get in a local church, get in a local church, and and for us in a world that is totally going digital, it's going. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's totally a different day. And a part of that is, I believe, to separate Christians and potential Christians from being together and gathering together, which the whole social distancing thing has an impact there as well. Because, you know, the Bible says greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I don't want any kisses or anything because it's just kind of, hmm. In our day, it would be an unholy kiss. I'm sure back then they had robes and turbans and masks. You couldn't even see. You know, it's like, <laughs> but the Bible talks about believers will lay hands on the sick. Touching was powerful, still is, the power of touch. So I tell our team all the time: the more high tech we get, the more high touch we have to get, because high tech will never do what high touch can. So hopefully this week you will maybe if you're married you sit down and you go if your spouse has an interest how are we using our time how do we want to use our time where do we want to spend our time with whom do we want to spend our time it's very very important because at the end of your life the results that you get will be because of the choices you made with your time some of you have a spouse that won't go to church you get up and go anyway. You so, say, well, he do not want to go. That's his problem. You need to spend your time in a way that is going to affect and impact your life and eternity. I still believe in church, not because I'm a pastor. Even when I was out for a couple of years, I was in church. And I'll tell you why I was in church. I believe in the local church. I believe in the importance of gathering together and assembling together. Things will happen in-house that will never happen in your house. The Bible says God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He didn't say everybody. For the equipping of the saints. And I'm old enough to be able to say this now because I've built a great church before. And I don't need to build another great one. And I'm not about that. I'm about building great people. I want greatness to be a part of your lives. That's what I'm caught up in now. And so I believe we have that here. I believe those of you watching, you're dying to come and be a part of this. But you're scared to death. Don't be scared because most of the people here are a little stranger than you. (laughs) Starting with me. And then Jesse's really out there. So anyway, it's important that this week you sit down and hopefully during this series and that you look at how you're using your time. Because many people say, man, I, I just don't have time. Yeah, you do. You really do. You just don't know where it's at. You don't know where it's located. Where am I going to get the time from? Well, you know, I could, I could spend a little less time doing this, and, and then I'd have more time to do that. And I didn't realize the time I'm spending over here is really not producing any results. You know, the only reason I loved to golf, and I was pretty good at it, and my lowest score is a 67, so I, I think I, I'd qualify for being decent. But the thing I loved about golf more than anything were the friends I played with. It wasn't the score that I made. It was the people I hung with. But when they all moved away, I realized I didn't like golf that much anymore because they were the ones that made me like golf. We'd talk about Jesus. We'd talk about church. We'd talk about God. And, and uh, that was fun for me. And I felt like that was time well used. And, 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 and for other people who said, well, I just like the game, great. I mean, that, that feeds your soul. There's nothing wrong with it. You need to recreate. That's your way of, you know, recreating. That's great. No condemnation, but I'm just saying, figure out how time can feed your destiny. How the proper use of time, and remember this, time does not heal. Using time wisely will bring healing. Just like the old saying goes, you know, they say, practice makes perfect. No, it doesn't. Perfect practice makes perfect. Just a few changes in how we word things can make a big change in how we live life. Use your time wisely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your time along with your son. Jesus, thank you for giving us 33 years of your time and using it in such a way that it brought redemption to all who believe. So, Lord, we thank you for that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we never like to close a service without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus. And I'm not talking about receiving religion I'm not talking about crossing your fingers You'll go to heaven I'm saying a prayer that will absolutely secure Your place in the Lamb's book of life When you call on the name of the Lord Pray this prayer with me All of you watching online and all of you here Say, Father God, thank you so much For sending your only son To die on the cross For my sin Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me Today I give my life to you I repent of my sin, and I thank you that I am born again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED and your name if you would. Last week was very exciting. Several people that, that texted in. We always loved that. wasn't a tonne but enough for me to get happy. If one person gets born again, I'm thrilled. That's one change that we made, and we robbed from the flames of hell and said, here's a pass to heaven. So please text us. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m or join us online God bless you